Welcome to the podcast. Today is May 16th, 2020. And this week we're going to talk about innovators and sociopaths and take a look at Tesla versus Enron. Because Elon Musk is in the headlines yet again. And once more, it's not good publicity as of late. Now call it what you like, but uh, his antics are stirring up quite a lot of controversy. But all that aside though, he is still to this day largely heralded as this great genius, you know, as this unprecedented businessman with just unique features. But is he really all that unique? And is he really a genius? Well, there are some analogies to be drawn between Musk and other so-called visionaries who ran what, what was the next big thing at the time. And yes, there are other people who do resemble Musk quite a bit. Now, the one that comes to mind, though, is Jeff Skilling. Now, that name should ring a bell if you've been following business for the past 20 years like me. Now, this Skilling guy, he was no doubt a very smart dude. He earned his MBA from Harvard, graduating in the top 5% of his class. So clearly no bozo. Now, Skilling, he came to run what was often referred to as the most innovative company in the U.S. back in the early 2000s. Now, that company was named America's Most Innovative Company by none other than Fortune magazine. Now, for six consecutive years also, from 1996 to 2001. Now, the company that I'm talking about here is, of course, Enron. Now, the first similarity between Musk and Skilling is that they both underwent a pretty thorough makeover of their appearance to better kind of suit the role of a high-flying, sophisticated CEO. That's exactly what Musk has done since his PayPal days. That's exactly the first thing that Skilling did when he took the helm of Enron. Now, as Enron's financial situation started to attract more and more scrutiny, Skilling developed this nasty habit of really lashing out at the critics. And there was this one famous or infamous conference call where there was one poor fund manager who basically remarked, he said something like, so you're the only business here that can't come up with any kind of meaningful balance sheet or any, any kind of cash flow statement that makes sense. And Skilling famously replied to him, uh, well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Now, paradoxically, Enron's famous slogan, which was featured in many of their commercials, of which there were very many, was ask why. Now, clearly, that was just a marketing gimmick. I mean, in real life, nobody was supposed to ask any questions about Enron or its practices or its accounting or anything like that. There was no ask why whatsoever. Now, all of this, of course, reminds me of uh, how Musk has dealt with the hard questions. You know, for example, the ones that deal with why the product rollouts are so delayed, why the accounting is so weird and so forth. And when Musk is met with hard questions, he's been known to refer to analysts as boneheaded. Now, actually, Tesla happens to be the only auto manufacturer that can't seem to come up with a, well, just like Enron, a meaningful cash flow statement that makes any sense. So the questions regarding Tesla's accounting, those questions aren't boneheaded at all. And for example, Tesla consistently reports a billion dollar accounts receivable number in their books. Now, accounts receivable is basically the amount that's owed to a company that comes from the company providing goods on credit. Now, this would actually not be abnormal in the auto manufacturing space, especially if you operate through dealerships, which any, every other manufacturer does, and especially if you use, say, a factoring company to finance your invoices. But that's not what's going on here. Because Tesla is the only manufacturer that sells cars directly to consumers, directly to their customers. And last time I checked, when you drive off with your new car, it will have been paid for one way or the other. So if you're Tesla, 
why not just clarify what exactly is going on here? I mean, when you have these famous short sellers, like say for example, David Einhorn, when they start raising these questions, the share price is gonna take a hit. And this of course tends to send Musk into some kind of a tirade against the short sellers yet again, and he goes on a rampage. So again, if you have nothing to hide, why not just provide some good answers and avoid the drama and avoid chasing all the short sellers? Now here's another similarity between Enron and Tesla. Now, if you raised any concerns regarding Enron, however valid or credible those might have been, chances are you would have been looked at as something of a buffoon, as if you just didn't get it. Now, if you would admit to not understanding the company's fundamental value add, well, you would certainly have been written off as something of a Luddite. And with Tesla, if you're confused by their, you know, their opaque accounting practices or you know, their scattered approach to product management, you're quickly going to be labeled a moron. And you're going to be labeled a moron by all the hundreds of thousands of Musk fans out there, and maybe even also by the pro-Tesla publications out there, of which there are very many. But at the very least, you're going to be labeled a FUDster. FUD, as we know, stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And there are so many people who are enjoying this skyrocketing share price right now that people don't want anybody to put an end to it. Now, over the course of its lifetime, Enron branched into trading more and more products, and eventually they ended up dealing in a plethora of different products. Now, they were originally involved in the transmission of natural gas and electricity, but over time, they branched into trading a variety of products, you know, such as you know, petrochemicals, plastics, paper and pulp, and even weather risk management. So it all just kind of got more and more exotic as the fraud went on. Now, this is, of course, fairly similar to how Tesla have ventured into more and more exotic products, you know, tunnel drilling, solar panels, insurance, autonomous driving, flamethrowers, and so on. Now, what's at the root of all these bizarre expeditions? I mean, what's really driving these underlying behaviors here? Both Musk and Skilling have been referred to as having tendencies of a narcissistic sociopath. Now, I know that is a bit much, but let's go through some of those traits to see if this makes sense. Now, sociopaths, they tend to have a reputation for being dishonest and deceitful. Now, they often feel comfortable, you know, lying to get their own way or lying to get themselves out of trouble. Now, when it comes to Musk in particular... The list of dishonest statements or outright lies runs extremely long. But of course, you know, given his status as our environmental savior, then all these claims, all of his promises and all these predictions, they are rarely really scrutinized. They're not even remembered for all that long, to be honest. So let's take a look at Musk's statements here. He said the Roadster model would fly that it would use a SpaceX cold gas thruster system with ultra-high pressure air in a composite overwrapped pressure vessel in place of the two rear seats. Now, in fact, the Roadster is nowhere to be seen still, although you have been able to pre-order it on their, on their site for years. He also said that the brake pads on a Tesla literally never need to be replaced for the lifetime of the car. Now, maybe the lifetime of the car is only five years, or maybe Tesla just took a giant leap in terms of brake pad technology in one single instant, or maybe this is just an extremely reckless statement to make. Who knows? Now, a year and a half ago, Musk said that Tesla service centers would work to expand to all of North America in three to six months. Well, that clearly never happened. Also a year and a half ago, he announced that Tesla's body shop was aiming to repair collisions in under an hour, 
Now, if you've ever tried to get a Tesla repaired, I think you'll quite comfortably refute that statement. Musk's also said that the Tesla Gigafactory would be solar-powered by the end of 2019. Crickets. Now, Musk also famously tweeted that he had the funding secured to take Tesla private at a price of 420 bucks a share. Now, that alone would basically constitute a material statement about the stock market valuation for a listed company, meaning it would basically land any other mortal CEO in jail in a gross act of stock price manipulation, which is what it was. Now, Musk has also claimed that he would fix the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. And by the way, this was no off-the-cuff remark either. He literally said, please consider this a commitment that I will fund fixing the water in any house in Flint that has water contamination above FDA levels. No kidding. I don't think there's any way you could easily misinterpret that statement. Musk has also said that the boring company would recycle dirt from tunnels into bricks for housing. Again, crickets. But more alarmingly, though, I mean, it doesn't just end with, with his statements. He's also announced a series of products. He's taken payment for them, taken deposits for them. While there is no real-world indication that these products will ever go into production. For example, I mean, we are coming up to three years ago now since Elon Musk started taking deposits for the Tesla semi-truck. It's also three years ago since he started taking deposits for a space tourism flight around the moon, which was scheduled for 2018 with SpaceX. And all the way back in 2016, he claimed Tesla would start production of an autonomous minibus in two to three years. Well, I haven't seen any indication of that happening. It's now five years ago since he claimed Tesla's would have a 1,000 kilometer or 621 mile range within a year or two. Clearly that didn't happen either. Now, also back in late 2016, he laid out plans to get humans to Mars in six years. He also predicted that Teslas would, would be able to drive themselves across the country in 2018. He predicted that Tesla would have an EV capable of driving 1,200 kilometers on a single charge by 2020. Hmm. Going all the way back to 2013, he said that within two years, 98% of metropolitan U.S. would be covered by Tesla supercharging stations, along with a 50% reduction in charging time, and that it would be free forever. And again, this is not just some off-the-cuff remark here. This was an actual announcement that is still up on Tesla's YouTube channel. Now, only a few days ago, he was on the Joe Rogan Show. And Musk was claiming that their Neuralink device, this device that is basically installed in the brain, he was talking about how it would be able to cure brain injuries, you know, like epilepsy, how it could restore memory loss, how it would be able to transfer thoughts from brain to brain without talking, saving information directly into your brain and so forth. I mean, he is literally saying that he can restore eyesight, let the blind see, that he can let the quadriplegics walk and so forth. I mean, this is beyond the capabilities of Jesus Christ right here. I mean... And we are nowhere near that level of understanding in neurology. I mean, never mind restoring eyesight or storing memories or anything like that. I mean, this is not impressive. It's absurd. Now, I like Joe Rogan, but I will have to say, Rogan never pressures people that he really admires. I mean, look at how he treated Jack Dorsey of Twitter versus how he grilled Bill Ottman of Minds.com. And in a similar fashion, he didn't really probe into Musk's claims at all. I mean, he was more like a starstruck child, really. 
he barely asked, well, how does this neural device actually plug into the brain? How does it work? Now, when he finally went there, Musk's answer was basically, well, you literally put tiny wires, you know, where they're supposed to go. Well, well, great. I mean, that's the answer that I'm going to start giving my neighbor next time he asks me how to mount his new satellite dish. You know, that is a non-answer of anything. And apparently these wires, you know, that will control your brain, they are, as Musk says, two or three millimeters in length, depending on where they're supposed to go. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I mean, those are electrodes. And if anything, they'd be something like a human hair in width. They wouldn't be two to three millimeters, and they certainly just wouldn't go where they're supposed to go, just like that. So he's clearly spouting a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of hot air. But because of his persona, Rogan is letting it all slide, and he's gobbling up all these BS like it's ice cream on a hot day. And I think all of this speaks to a greater phenomenon, and that is that nobody wants to criticize this environmental Jesus because they want to believe in the cause. They want to believe that it's all true. It is the future. Now, will most CEOs overpromise in order to try and stir up excitement and you know create a buzz? Well, of course. But most other CEOs, they don't break securities laws on a frequent basis, and they try to preserve at least an element of truth in what they're saying. But with Musk, not really so. Now, getting back to the sociopaths, though, they do tend to make spur-of-the-moment decisions, and they have very little thought for the consequences of their actions. So they don't really consider the risks of their behavior, the risks with, for example, making up projects in development or announcing non-existent products and so forth. They also tend to have very little concern for the safety of others. Well, they even have little concern for the safety of themselves, in fact. They also have a need for excessive admiration, and they tend to hold this belief that they are, you know, special, that they can only be understood by similar people. Well, that last bit is probably true. Now, all of this, I think, rings true for Skilling, just as it does for Musk. And these kinds of people, they also tend to have a sense of, a grandiose sense of self-importance. You know, they exaggerate their achievements and abilities and so forth, and they have real big trouble handling criticism. And when met with criticism, they tend to become very angry. Also, they tend to possess this sense of entitlement and expect to be treated favorably. They expect compliance. And look at how Musk saw fit to keep his factory open. I mean, in defiance, in clear defiance of this prevailing lockdown order just recently. Now, as I mentioned, sociopaths tend to react with rage when they don't get their way. And they tend to belittle others to make themselves seem superior. And again, looking to this lockdown case, and again, looking to this lockdown case, look how quick Musk was to label this health professional who issued the stay-at-home order an unelected interim junior official. I mean, never mind that he was actually talking about an MD with you know a degree from Stanford and many, many years worth of experience within communicable disease control. But nope, Musk always seems to know best. Anyway, how did the Enron saga all end? Well, Jeff Skilling was indicted on 35 counts of fraud, insider trading, and a whole bunch of other crimes. So Enron's leadership, they had managed to fool the regulators with all of these fake holdings, all of these off-the-books accounting practices. So what they would do is basically they would create an asset, such as, for example, a power plant, and then they would claim a certain projected profit from this plant on its books. But of course, when the revenue from the power plant never materialized, instead of recording a loss, 
then the company would instead just transfer that asset to an off-the-books corporation to make the loss go away, basically. Now, interestingly, that's not all that different from what old Dick Fold of Lehman Brothers fame did in the last few days of Lehman Brothers before it collapsed. He was trying to kind of strip off all this toxic debt from the company and make Lehman survive. Now, all in all, this did help drive the Enron share price to absolutely astronomical levels. But the revenues at hand, I mean, they were, they were totally fraudulent, just the same as the value of their holdings. But it made it appear as though Enron was doing incredibly well. And people were more than happy to just keep chasing the share price higher and higher and higher. Nobody wanted it to be a fraud. And it was very tempting to confuse this skyrocketing share price with genius and innovation. Now, eventually, the price of Enron's shares went from over $90 all the way down to $0.26 cents at the bankruptcy stage. But for a very, very, very long time, people just assumed that the reason why some analysts, some boneheaded analysts, couldn't understand Enron's books was because they just couldn't decipher the genius behind the business. Now, that was until somebody actually had the balls and the confidence to actually step up and say, hey, wait, none of this makes any sense. What's going on here? I don't understand this. And that's when it all started to come undone. So is this how the Tesla saga will end? I mean, are we just too dumb to appreciate the genius of our environmental savior? Is Elon Musk just the first true renaissance man of our era and we just can't comprehend his, his genius? Well, if that is true, he would be the first genius to get himself dragged into a defamation case, you know, for baselessly calling somebody a pedophile. He would also probably be the first genius to end up under investigation by the SEC for reckless communication. He would probably be the first genius to fail to deliver on almost all of his promises and predictions. If you ask me, that's not what genius looks like at all, but we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, what say you? Fraudster, sociopath, genius, or all of the above? What is he? Bring on the trolls. Thanks for listening. <laughs>